God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And all the people said, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Got, uh, want to direct your attention to the Gospel of John, chapter 4. And I got a lot of stuff I'd like to say. I feel like uh, the Lord has allowed me to learn some things or be exposed to some things that, that, that need to help the United Pentecostal Church. And so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm here as your, I guess your camp speaker in the evening, but I'm really here just maybe as a voice of challenge and change. Uh, change is not compromise. Uh, ch change helps us if we make progress. Don't, don't ever be afraid to be confronted with a truth you haven't seen yet. I know we like to fall back on that scripture and says, well, the Lord is not the author of confusion. True, but he is the revealer of ours. I'm already talking. <clears throat> John chapter 4, if you would please, and verse 19. Uh, five to nine. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. Ouch. How to win friends and influence people. You don't know what you're doing, lady. And it's unacceptable. Yep. You know not what you worship. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. What has worship got to do with salvation? I thought we were talking about worship. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers, apparently this false, shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Uh, I want to talk to you tonight on you could be what God's looking for. You could be what God's looking for. Lord, bless the ministry of the word and help me do a great job. And please help me to say something worth listening to and not to be real long-winded. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you and you may be seated. Thank you so very much. Hallelujah. And every time they change it, it's different. Great need in our movement for understanding. Proverbs 4 says, with all you're getting, get understanding. It's interesting to notice that understanding is listed 10 times in Proverbs 4 in the female gender. It said, with all you're getting, get wisdom, get understanding. She shall promote thee, and she shall bless thee, and she shall crown thee. She shall give thee a crown of life. You ever wondered why understanding is listed in feminine gender? It's because the feminine species has the ability to produce new life. 
Understanding can birth something in you that can alter your past and change your future. Whoops, going to be tough tonight. I believe in myself anyway. You must understand tonight as I try to bring us beyond where we are that our vision is the womb of the mind. And you can only become what you see. That's why the Bible talks about beholding him. We are changed into that image. That's why it's dangerous to sit around watching TV all the time because you become what you see. And I'm not doing any political stuff. I'm just telling you, you become what you watch. You become what you read. You become what you eat. You become what you listen to. Just make sure whatever you're ingesting will enhance your walk with God. Don't subject yourself to a bunch of smut and degrading stuff that's going to activate the animal instinct in you and make you live like a barnyard dog in heat. Was that plain enough? Did everybody hear what I just said? We're living, hey, we're living in a sensual, vile, filthy society, and they can't understand why their lives are coming apart. It's because of the crud they're ingesting and what they're playing with. Your mind, your mind gives birth to what you worship and what you give yourself to. Your behavior flows out of what you behold. Now, I'm not getting to the good part. I'm already at the good part. We need to understand something. We need to be very circumspect about what we let come into our lives because it will not pass through us without affecting us. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Whoop. Oh, hallelujah. I don't think we holy rollers understand what the issue is yet, and I'd like to address it. The issue, all right, here, here I go. The issue is not dress codes. The issue is not video. The issue is not TV. The issue is not put-put golf. Oh, no, the, uh, you just get quiet all you want to. I don't care. That's not the issue. That's not the issue. Worship is the issue. Worship is the issue. Who are we going to worship? What are we going to worship? Because you are going to become like what you worship. And if you worship your opinion, you're going to end up a small package. But if you worship his opinion, there's, oh, there's no telling what you and I can become if we worship his opinion. Is the microphone on? Please, please don't try to gauge me tonight by how well the service went last night. I need to plow a little bit tonight, okay? Have you ever really envisioned God on a quest or a search? How could God misplace something? How could God not locate something? How could God be on a quest searching for something? 
It's not so much that God needs something as that God wants something. You're not hearing me yet. I, I, I tried to talk to you a little bit last night about what man is and that God is mindful of us. But I didn't get to the last part of the sermon. Maybe I need to back up. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Here it is, that thou visitest him. Have you got any idea that you're so precious and valuable to God that God would step across the cosmos and step into your living room and visit you? He who can speak worlds into existence interrupts his schedule to come all the way down to Tioga, Louisiana to pay us a visit. We must have some value in the sight of God. No, I, I don't mean to be unkind, but the response is not well. You're not, you're not hearing me yet. There must be a short in the mic. The king of glory is paying us a visit. What is man that you visit him? States visited me. The Queen of England's never visited me. Half my relatives hasn't visited me. But when I was a whoremongering drunk, lost and undone, without any hope, God met me in the middle of my disaster. He came to me, not because I was good, but because he is good. Seated, huh? I won't be long. I don't know whether you're getting what I'm saying. I'm trying to go. He, 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 what would you do if you knew for sure the king would slip on your pew and say, I'm here to pay you a visit? Now, now I don't know whether you're getting what I'm trying to say, but if I understand a visit, it is brief. You better take advantage of it. It'll be over faster than you can shake your head. When somebody comes to visit, you don't sit there and cook the taters and watch TV and read a magazine. You pay attention to the visitor. What do you think praise and thanksgiving and praising God and blessing God and praising God and blessing God is all about? We're paying attention to the visitor. Why? We think the visitor's got something he can leave behind to enhance our lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just bear with me a minute. I'll, I'll find my bearings in just a second. You know, have you ever thought why a visit is made? Sometimes you visit because somebody's sick. So nice to have a visit from the best doctor in the city. It's nicer to have a visit from the physician of the universe.
Anybody besides me once was sick, lost in sin, couldn't help myself. We got a visit. The doctor walked in the house. He didn't say try a few pills and watch for a few days. He diagnosed us soon as we walked in and fixed us. You can sit down a second. Visit. Sometimes you visit because somebody's hurting. And they need a little cheer and a little comfort. What would you do if you believed God was fixing to visit you in the next 60 seconds? Would you get your mind out of fixing your house and painting the roof and polishing your car and what you got to do tomorrow? If you realize that God is fixing to visit us. If I understand anything about visiting, every time Sister Arnold and I have somebody visit, all of a sudden we clean up what we were tolerating. My wife brings out those towels that I can't ever wipe on. Sometimes I wish I was a visitor. I got them 69-cent Kmart and they got them $15 real thick jobbers. Sometimes when they're not in their room, I just go in and wipe my hands on. Just to see what it feels like to be treated as a visitor. Hey, have we turned out some 69-cent Kmart rags for Jesus? Are we fixing to bring out the best we got so, oh, so that he can feel welcome among us? Because we don't know how long the visit's going to last. When somebody visits you, you get inconvenienced. You fix new stuff, nice stuff. You do everything you can to make them happy. You want them to know it's not a bother for them to be with you. Some of you cats kind of... I hope we don't have one of them shouting servers. Everybody goes crazy. You, you, you can sit down for a second. I'm going to get to my sermon in a second. I'm just, oh, God. You know what I think, Brother Tenney? We're in danger of getting over his visit. We're not excited about the visit. We need to be enthused. He could be visiting another denomination. He could be visiting other people. He could write us off and say, I'm never made welcome. You, you, you can be seated just a second. He, he visited me. Didn't the Bible say in Luke 1 about verse 73, something like that, 79? Didn't it just say, the day star from on high hath visited us? Sunrise showed up in the middle of darkness and gloom. You're not getting me yet. You have any idea who the visitor is? 
It ain't Uncle Joe broke his toe. It ain't Lent Lucille, honey. You're talking about Yahweh himself. You're talking about the great I am. Not the great I was, the great I am. The changeless one, the everlasting one, the all-wise one, the all-powerful one. He's stepping into your room, into your soul, into your mind to pay you a visit. Please be seated. Do you understand what it took for God to visit you? I, I've never heard anybody ever tell me yet, and I've asked a question five or six times. Nobody's ever been able to tell me. How far was it from deity to dust? You see, every role and every rank in the creature specimen kingdom has different spaces. The grasshopper doesn't live on the same realm with the cat. The cat is lower than the man. And the man is lower than the angel. And the angel is lower than God. And God bypassed all of them to come to you. How far did he travel to reach us? See, God, he, remember, he that openeth the womb openeth the doors of life. God couldn't just step in to do work with us. He had to be born. That means he was invisible now had to become visible. The intangible became tangible. The immaterial became material. Watch this. The omnipresent now became localized. He didn't send a part of himself. That's exactly right. He came himself. Who was Jesus? He was the mighty God in flesh. He was the king of glory. He was the eternal God. The one that you couldn't approach. He approached you. He paid you a visit through the incarnation. And like any good visitor, he didn't come to make fun of your bedspread and tell you that your screen was tore. He didn't come to condemn. The world was already condemned. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Now, I'm, I'm going to turn around once. I'll be around one more time, then I'm finished. I'm going to just mess with your mind. I don't care what you believe. I got the mic. I'm right right now. You read that scripture in Luke 19. It says he's talking about being at Zacchaeus' house. He said, salvation has come to this house. Watch. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. That. Not them. Not them. Not those. That which was lost. What was lost? We like to say it's the human race. No! It was worship. God's not after your soul. He's after your worship. If you'll learn how to worship, you'll give him your soul. said we know John 9 God heareth not sinners well then how in the world are we going to get saved oh but he said but if any man be a 
worshiper of God. You mean you can worship God as a sinner? Uh-huh. Can you worship God if you're in false doctrine? If you're sincere, uh-huh. Well, you can get real quiet all you want to. Can you worship God when everything in your life's not right? Uh-huh. Has it ever bothered you that the greatest treaties that God ever gave in fleshmen in Jesus Christ, he didn't give it to a religious world, he gave it to a chick who was shacking up? Ever bothered you that he bypassed the whole one God nation of Israel, bypassed the priesthood, bypassed all the ceremony people, all the ritual people, and found some chick that had problems with the morals? Why? She may be shacking up and had five husbands, but she was still a worshiper. All he wanted to do is change her around so she could get the right object to worship. Because if you don't have the right object, you can't get the right outcome. We're not crazy because we make a big deal out of Jesus. He is the Father made flesh. He is the Word incarnate. He is the King of glory. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the bright and the morning star, the root and the offspring of David. It is he that has the keys of death and hell. It is he that holds the seven stars in his head. We are not a cult. We are not heretics because we make a big deal out of Jesus. We know who we worship. Jesus told that woman, salvation is of the Jew. What does that mean? The Jew is entrusted with the truths of one true living God. And the salvation of that concept came from the Jews to us. You, you can sit down. You, I don't mean to make you all nervous. You, you got to get this. If you, if you worship more than one God... Or you worship a divided God. You are an idolater. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and Him only shalt thou worship and serve. You cannot bow down to two deities, or three deities, or 155 deities. You cannot do it. God is all-inclusive. In the man Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete, not in them, in him. And I feel the spirit of revelation. Please sit down. I don't mean to be unkind. My time is running out so fast. Please listen to me. And I don't know who you are, and I don't know what you believe. And, and I'm not trying to be facetious, rude, curt, or unkind. But, but, but please hear me. Those of you that might believe in a triinity or a trinity of Godhead, fine. I cut you slack. That ain't no problem. That's the way you've been taught. But what I want to know is, because I'm dumb. I, I don't have a lot of education. I ain't got much smarts. But if your God is co-equal, co-eternal, co-existing, one God in three equal parts, how did you divide up the pie being that he has no beginning or end? 
how did you get God into three equal parts when the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him? How did you get one-third Father and one-third Son and one-third Holy Ghost when you don't know where he ends? But in him dwelleth all the fullness. That's the word paloma. Fullness, complete deity in permanent residency. Full expression. Jesus didn't come just to redeem us. He came to reveal the Father. He that has seen me has seen the Father. I and my Father are one. Think not that I do the works. My Father that dwelleth in me, he does the works. Now how could the Father dwell in Jesus if the writer says Jesus, a man approved of God, full of the Holy Ghost? Now if you're full, you're full. Now if you're full of the Holy Ghost, there ain't no room for the Father. I'm not trying to preach for your response. I'm trying to preach for your release so that you understand that we are not a bunch of wackos and second-rate citizens. God has given us a truth that came out of Judaism. We do believe in one God manifested in one man, for there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. They could kill the man, but they couldn't kill the God that indwelled the man. Sit down a second. You better find out what you believe. You better lay your roots deep. Well, I don't mean to be unkind, Reverend. You're the super. You take care of it later. You better get something besides hairdos and dress coats. Now, I don't mean to be unkind. I don't pastor in your district. But I'm going to tell you, that should not be the thing that sets us apart. Long dresses and long faces. Bunch of sour pusses. We say we got joy like a river. How come the dam is blocking the flow? I thought it was the joy of the Lord that was our strength. If you can believe what you say you believe, anything is possible to him that believes. Oh, you... Sit down a second. I, I know I haven't got to the sermon yet. I'll get there after a while. You got you to understand something. God, uh, God put up with an insurrection in the heavens. I'll wait for an amen. He did. He had a problem with Lou. Like in Lucifer. But you got to understand something about Lucifer. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, he's called the anointed cherub that covereth. But his name, Lucifer, means light bringer or light bearer. Let me show you the awesome power of the ministry of worship. He was in charge of heaven's worship. He is covered with all precious jewels and gems. But jewels and gems don't shine in the dark. 
They must be exposed to light. When Lucifer got in front of God's throne and began to exalt God, God who is light expressed his light on him and out went a jubilancy, a kaleidoscope of technicolor through the universe as the light of God hit his jewels. You, you didn't hear me. You, you didn't hear me. You, you, didn't, you didn't get it yet. When the light hit his jewels, he sparkled, honey. The light that he was a reflector. He was not the light. He was a reflector. Guess what we are? We are to reflect the glory of God. We are to make manifest the light of the king. We're not the king. We're the reflectors. Just bear with me a minute. Now, maybe that didn't do for you what it did for me. But you see, when Lucifer would get in front of the throne of God and lead the angelic people into blessing and exalting and magnifying he that sat on the throne, and that light just burst out of the throne, and it hit this guy. That light shot out of him. That's what lit up the whole universe. But when he changed focus and turned his back towards the throne and started to get the boys to worship him. See, worship isn't the whole issue. It's the object of worship that matters. When he started to worship himself, God took his refracting and reflecting abilities off. Bible said he stripped him of his jewels. You know where them jewels are? They garnished the new Jerusalem. And the lamb is going to be the light of the city. And that light's going to hit those jewels and we're going to shine out again. And right now, through redemption and the rebirth and regeneration, we are to show the glory of God in the way we live, the way we act, the way we behave, what we say, what we do, what we become. Shine! Baba says the light of the glory of God is shown forth in the face of Jesus. One time in Jesus' ministry, he gave the boys a little glimpse and said, Fellas, you've been with me all these years. i got to go get bumped off on the cross to buy you back. But before I go, just so you won't be upset about the murder, let me show you the majesty. And he took three of them up on a hill, and he went into a prayer meeting and started worshiping. You see, Jesus was a worshiper. Oh, yeah. And while he prayed and worshiped, all of a sudden, the glow came. He was transfigured, metamorphosed. So awesome that what was inside him started to emanate out of him and it outshone the sun. Now you're not hearing me. You think when you got the Holy Ghost, you got a little bit of hickamahokamahookie. You got a lot more than talking in tongues and goosebumps. You got the divine nature of the Father himself. You got the very essence of God himself. If you would learn how to worship God and get your focus on God, that which is inside you would emanate out of you. 
just bear with me. I'm almost there. I'll have to come back tomorrow and finish my sermon. You got, you got to get this because this worship thing is the big issue. It really is. It's the big issue. You got to understand that when God lost Lucifer, he lost his worship leader. Some of you poor preachers, will you stop sucking your thumb and trying to shoot yourself in the foot because you bought a bunch of hell and chaos in your choir and your music department? It started in the heavens. All the hell and the chaos and the crud and the garbage we're putting up with now is a direct result of what happened pre-time. It's been carried into this theater. But it started there. You don't hear me. When God created Adam and filled him with his spirit, God finally had his only earth worshiper. Adam enjoyed God so much, every time his daddy walked in the garden, he said, hi, dad. He said, hi, son. And they just talked to each other and had a great time. You know why? He could worship so easy because he didn't have to deal with guilt and fear and shame and the fear of being rejected. That's what keeps a lot of people back from serving the Lord is they're afraid they're not good enough. Let me help you. Nobody's good enough, but he accounts us worthy. He makes us worthy through the blood of the Lamb. I, I, I got I to close here in a second. You, you got to hear me. When Lucifer showed up, Brother Tenney, in the garden, he was after one thing. Listen to me. God is on a quest tonight. He's looking for something. I didn't read from a comic book. That's the Bible. The Bible said, God seeketh. You can only find two records where God went on a hunt. One time for the first Adam, second time for any kind of worshipers. Didn't bother God whether they were whoremongers, prostitutes, queers, fags, Twinkies. Didn't bother him at all. If he could just find somebody that would worship. You're not hearing me. You think the only thing that can worship God is Pentecostals. Baptists can worship. Presbyterians can worship. I'll tell you something else. A drunk who feels bad about being a drunk on a bar stool can say, help me, Jesus. Get me out of this hell. And that worship will be accepted. If any man be a worshiper of God, him God heareth. Sit, sit, sit down a second here. I'm trying to get where I need to go. You got to get it. The reason why some of us aren't better worshipers is we deal with the fear of rejection. Sometimes you have a lousy day. Sometimes you have a lousy week. I have had a bad month. What are you going to do, sit there with your legs crossed and checking out your socks, checking out your chains and clipping your fingernails because you're having a bad day? Worship ain't got nothing to do with what God has done. Worship's got to do with who God is. See, you, you what? we Pentecostals, I noticed when we had the Calumet folks here boogaloo in a little while ago, everybody was just kind of, oh, yeah, let's go, baby, let's go. Because we're feeling-oriented people. What are you going to do when God lets your kid die? My Bible says God let 10 of Job's die. And when he finished burying him, he said, and he sat down and worshiped God. Because worship's got to do with who God is. Not what God does or what he does not do. 
Worship says, I know you can, even if you choose not to, I'm going to bless you because you're awesome. My Bible tells me that David had sexual relations with Bathsheba, got her pregnant, killed her husband, played the hypocrite for a year. Finally, the baby was born. God smote the baby. He fasted and prayed, laying on his face, boo-hooing and crying and carrying on. And finally, God kills the baby. The scripture says, Joel, uh, D- David looked over and saw him whispering. He says, is the kid dead? He said, yeah. The Bible says he get up, wash his face, and worship. You can't thank God for God letting your child die, but you can worship God for who he is. He's awesome. He's always good. He's always righteous. He's always holy. You've got to believe that when everything goes backwards in your life, God has not changed. He has not diminished. He has not faltered. He is the all-wise God. Whatever decision he allows, it's a good decision. See, we holy rollers, we're good at thanks, and we're good at praise. We're lousy at worship. We can't holy worship without music. We got, we got to feel something. Yeah, yeah, sit down a second. I'm, I got uh, five minutes here. You got to understand how, what God is after. You see, when, when the Lucifer came in and dealt with Adam, you know what he did? He concocted this story to get Adam to worship Adam's opinion. I'll save you four years in Bible school. That's what sin is, worshiping your opinion. Let me help you. I'll save you another four years. You know what salvation is? Reinstating God's opinion as the central focus of your life. That's why in some areas of our life, we're not very saved. Yeah, I don't know whether you're hearing me. He got Adam to worship his own opinion over God's. And now God has lost his only earth worshiper. And when God comes walking into the garden, he ain't got nobody to bless him. Because the guy that's supposed to bless him is hiding in the bushes. So God has gone on a quest for all these thousands of years looking for worshipers. Because everybody is created with the capacity to worship. It's innate in you. Oh, you may not worship God. But I'm going to tell you something. The drug addict worships a high. The sports worshiper worships the thrill of the touchdown and the home run and the soccer goal. The businessman worships success and accolade and applause and position. The sexist worships the feeling and the thrill, just like the rapist worships. You worship something. The issue is not worship, it's the object. We who are given the privilege to be pastors and leaders, we better be careful not to worship our position. And you can tell when somebody worships their opinion and their position, if they get voted out, they act like a fool. I'm, I'm trying to finish. 
Why did Jesus come? Simple answer. To make worshipers out of rebels. Not to give us a dress code. To make worshipers out of rebels. Worship has to do with who God is. Praise has to do what God has done. 150 of Psalms, verse 2. Praise Him according to His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. We got the mighty acts down. We don't know beans about the excellent greatness. Uh-oh. Don't you understand how important worship is? Don't you understand how important it is for the Spirit of God to be allowed to move? When the Spirit moved, remember us last night? In the beginning was, uh, uh, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was that form of void, darks upon the face of the deep, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water, and God said, let there be light, and, that, and there was light. Don't you understand when you get into a worship mode, when you allow worship to take place, God comes in and starts talking stuff. Worship is dangerous if you don't want to change. You see, when you get a worship experience, God starts moving in and says, I'm going to separate this from that. God starts saying, now that's black and that's white and that's light and that's darkness. That's night and that's day. That's what he did in Genesis 1. He walked in and started identifying stuff. If you really worship God, God will start identifying stuff in your life and says, this has got to go. The reason why our so-called holiness stuff really hasn't worked is you can't legislate something that doesn't come out of a worship experience. You've got to see God like He is. And when you see Him like He is, you're willing to do what He wants. Uh, I'm not near done. I'm just going to shut down and I'm going to go you got to hear me. He labels things when he comes in. He separates things. You ready for this, Brother Booker? He raises stuff that's been buried by the past mistake. For when God showed up in Genesis 1, he gave a resurrection of what had been buried in judgment. What is lying buried and dormant in your life and mine that the Spirit of God wants to come in and resurrect it? What dreams and desires and commitments have got buried? When the Spirit of God moves in, you know what He'll do? He immediately overrides the past and gives you a new future. Why does hell resist us? Why does hell resist real worship? First place, we're taking His place. Secondly, he knows worship is so awesome that worship will not reveal the worshiper. It will reveal the object worshiped. And he hates God. And he doesn't want God to get out of your community. He doesn't care if you're there or if you get out there. But if God gets out there, he's in trouble. He wants to keep this stuff in religion. And we need to graduate from religion to salvation. Don't you get it? All right, it's, it's 9.38. I'm going to take six minutes and I'm going to stop. I'm not going to finish. I'm going to stop. Just listen. If you and I don't hurry up and learn how to worship, now I'm not being unkind, 
we don't hurry up and learn how to worship, we will forever be cursed with what we're battling with right now, a works mentality. See, we have a works mentality. It's Martha and Mary all over again. One wants to sit at his feet, receive his word and worship. The other wants to cook peanut brittle and serve chicken. Now, now don't misread into that. I know you're chicken people and peanut brittle people and God's blessed that. That's not, don't misread what I just said. I'm talking about we're into doing and God is trying to get us to graduate to being. See, you say what you want to, but we have a works mentality. Well, if I don't cuss, I don't chew, I don't dip, I don't smoke, I don't watch dirty stuff, I don't run around, I am accepted. Well, then, 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 then you've made yourself acceptable by your own standard. But he's so holy and so high, even angels hide their face. Let me show you how awesome and powerful worship is in the heavenlies. The scripture says in Isaiah 6, when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the angels were worshiping and blessing God, crying one to another, holy, holy, holy. It's funny, angels who behold God cry out, holy, 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 and we sit. They got six wings. The Bible says two they cover their face, two they cover their feet, and two they fly with. So two-thirds of them have to do with reverence. Only one pair of wings they work with. I'm trying to get myself out of this hole I'm in here. You got to understand me. God is so interested in our... Now, please, please, don't misread me. God is so interested in our worship. He can put up with our wickedness if we'll be honest about it. Uh, I didn't think I'd make Louisiana happy. Isaiah gets caught up in a worship service. Angels blessing and magnifying God. He's got a dirty mouth. Isn't it a wonderful picture? That in the midst of this worship, here's this wicked, guilty guy. For the guilty can never worship. They must be graced first. Isn't it a wonderful thing that in the midst of that holy, heavenly worship service, God didn't chase Isaiah out? How come when our kids get pregnant, get in trouble, get spaced out and act like fools... They find friends under a bridge that treat them better than we do. Do we have such a high standard that it's even too far for God to reach? I'm not giving you a license to be immoral and vile and filthy, but for crying out loud, Pentecost, there ain't nobody perfect among us. We're trying to do the very best we can. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we might have pulled off some of the junk they pulled off. But the restraining grace of God kept us. Can we show a returning prodigal some more mercy? Okay, stand up with me. I, I, I can't finish. I'm just going to say one thing and I'm going to go home.
you got to hear me now. God was so interested in getting Isaiah to be a worshiper, even though he confessed, I'm a man of a dirty mouth, I got a vile mouth, I got bad thoughts, I'm not living up to my prophetic office, I got no business being here. God didn't say, that's right, you punk, get out of here. He didn't say that. He so wants earth worship. He turns around and says, angel, fix him. Don't put him on probation. Fix him. Take the coal, put it on his mouth. Why? Because I want him to be able to stay here. And the only way he can stay here is he's got to start saying the same stuff the angels are saying. Well, I know I started something that I can't finish right now, but I will be back, the Lord willing. God has put this on my heart for this whole movement. And if God can help me to just jam this into you this next night or two, it'll change the entire outlook of what we have. This thing is about who we worship. You got to see him high and lifted up. He's got to be more than an escape hatch from hell. You got to have some wonder in your soul. Worship has to do with worthiness. Don't you get it? That means if God chooses not to fix some junk in your life, he's still worthy. Don't you understand when Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever? Don't you get what that is? That's more than saying Jesus is changeless. It's saying that he is yesterday, today, and forever the same at all the same time. That he is the same in your past and your present and your future. He can't get worse and he can't get better. He's it. We got to get graduated from worshiping a feeling. We got to worship the person of God. We, we've got to stop worshiping our perspective of our doctrine. We have, we've got to stop worshiping our particular perspective of separation from the world. Should we be separate? Yes. Should our ladies dress modest and pure? Yes. Should our men be chaste and holy? Yes. But that's not the issue. God wants to take this entire movement to a level beyond anything we've known. And I'm not talking about some hokey, smoky craziness. I'm talking about lifting us from the performance mentality to the person of God mentality. So that you can go through crud and garbage and dark days and say, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Why? Because I'm in love with his person and I'm not locked into his performance. Because God may choose in his sovereign will not to give you a performance. What are you going to do? Shut down the praise factory? I, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Jesus, now I know that uh, I'm I'm way out there tonight. I know it. And I'm trying so desperately to help these sweet people. And, 
and I'm just a man and, and you're almighty God and, and, and I know that concepts are hard to expand at times and, and I know that people come to camp meetings so they can boogaloo and jump up and down and act crazy and have a wonderful time and that's all part of it and I'm happy for it but Lord we go through another camp and, and our perspective isn't expanded and the horizon of our understanding isn't illuminated and then we just we just same old same old Pentecostal people Jesus, I'm asking for the spirit of revelation to baptize this camp. I'm asking you. I'm asking you. I'm asking you to take the scales off our eyes and the jingle bells off our feelings and lift us into a focus of the Father that by beholding you, we will bless you. And seeing you as you are will take us through any disaster we're forced to go through. I'm asking you, Lord, to anoint our singers and our musicians these next three days and nights with such a fervor in their spirit that they want to worship you rather than play the crowd. That they want to magnify you and exalt you and get caught up into a naked, transparent situation with you for, Lord, we can never really be honest with you just by praising. We have to get naked and open with you, and that takes worship. And, Lord, you know that worship only happens inside the veil. It's a one-on-one -on -one experience where behold the Shekinah of God. It's not done in the outer court, Lord. It's done beyond the veil. Oh, Jesus. I'm just a little man trying to help somebody. I'm not a great one. I want to be, but I'm not. But I plead with you. I plead with you. Would you move upon us? Would you cause a desire in these people to learn how to be worshipers of God? Would you help us to go beyond just the momentary into the magnificent eternal? Deliver us from falsehood and fakery and plastic Pentecost. Deliver us, Jesus, from wrapping robes around ourselves and thanking ourselves that we're not like others. Jesus. 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 Jesus, Jesus, come on folks, stretch yourself, just, it may be a foreign experience to real intimacy with God, I've not touched the top of the bottom of this message yet, but maybe an introduction to, to something, to one of the biggest, if not the biggest and the finest districts in Pentecost, if this could grab a hold of us here, what shockwaves could go through the nation? Jesus, teach me how to worship. Teach me how to be a worshiper. Teach me how. I, I, I thank you, and I'm trying to be a good praiser, but teach me how to worship. Jesus, you said in your word, for the Father seeketh such. I could be what you're looking for tonight. It doesn't mean I'm perfect and I've got everything right, but I could be the desire of your very heart. Please deliver me. 
you showed us that the Samaritan woman, though immoral, was a worshiper. Jesus, she was just mixed up in the object. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Please help us tonight. Please help us tonight. Lift us beyond where we are. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I, I ask you one more time. Would you stretch your hands out? Would you stretch your spirits out? Would you ask him to take you up on the mountain? Would you ask him to let you ascend to the high place of intimacy with the master? Jesus. 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 stuff this goes here and that goes there and this is good and that's bad and, and that needs to be adjusted and that needs to be abandoned resurrect some dreams here resurrect some desires here come in and command a blessing Lord. we admit our ignorance but we also admit our yearning and our thirsting to know you ha! metamorphose us lord change us tonight Jesus name. 